Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's the final hour on this Tuesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. We say good morning. Welcome to the program, Fox Sports 97.9 in Hartford, Connecticut. Fox Sports 1300, New Haven, Connecticut. Fox Sports 970 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Fox Sports 106.3 in Sheridan, Wyoming. Thank you for joining the Dan Patrick Show network, numbering nearly 400 cities in America. All right, coming up, we'll talk to Dean Blandino, former head of NFL officials, now the rules analyst for Fox Sports. We'll talk about the ending of the Cowboys-Lions game. There was also a tripping call that was not made prior to that uh, controversial ending with the two-point conversion. All right, uh, your phone calls are welcome. Best and worst of the weekend. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. The stars of the PGA Tour coming out swinging. The New Year starts in paradise in Maui, Hawaii. The best golf in the world is played here, the century. And uh, I asked DraftKings, what are the odds of this? Who's the favorite? Scotty Scheffler, Paulie's favorite. Oh, yeah. Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, and uh, Colin Morikawa. Like, I'm not a Scotty Scheffler guy. No, I know. Hardcore Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> yeah, everybody are. knows that. He, he gets uh, people get intense about him, though. People are. All in his wheelhouse. Well, he uh, he didn't really show too much emotion. He's a casual golfer. Yeah, very very good oh. golfer. Might be the best golfer. I like how Hovland dresses. I, I wish Victor I, Hovland. Yes, yeah. yes. If you played golf, you might dress like Victor Hovland. If I was in shape and could play golf like Victor Hovland, I would dress like Victor Hovland. Your wardrobe is Hovland esque. Nineteen seventy ish PGA Tour. Oh, thank you! Wow, thank you, Dan. <laughs> it's one of the nicest things That's I've lovely. I've ever said to you. Yes, yeah, Seton O'Connor. I've noticed that the PGA Tour uh, like promos have really dialed up a little bit. Mm. There's a lot more like lights flashing, oh. music. This Whoa. is where the best play. Okay. Boom. Oh. <laughs> okay. I see what's going on here, PGA. All right. Yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, tradition and excellence. They better get something going here. Okay. Something going here. They're still trying to negotiate the Live Tour and the PGA Tour. I thought they had until midnight uh, New Year's Eve, but then that passed, but they said they were still trying to negotiate. I don't know what's going on. You know, when things go quiet, that's when things get done. 
And maybe they'll get something done here. All right, poll question for the final hour. Seton O'Connor is going to be what? Let me update you, Dan, right. on the uh, first two hours. Should uh, Jim Harbaugh go to the NFL or stay with Michigan? Right now, 56% of the audience want him in the NFL and out of college football. Okay. Um, Paul t- takes umbrage with that. What? what? I think, look, I know it's a fun topic, Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL. College football needs him to stay. He is perfect for the sport. He dominates the sport as far as like coverage and the college football coaches are the stars. The players go come and go. If he's in the NFL, he's he, he's de-emphasized. Okay, he'll be interesting, but he's de-emphasized. College football needs him to stay. It's like Spurrier ten years ago. Okay, I hope he doesn't go. Well, it certainly feels like he's keeping this alive of going to the pros. If it, it's the Raiders or the Chargers, and it feels like it might be those two two teams, I I don't know. He's going to ask for a Sean Payton contract that Payton got with the Broncos. I'm going to guess, you know, he's going to get asked for $15 million a year. Maybe Michigan is, what, $11 million a year? Four years ago, they were going to fire him at Michigan. And he brought him back, and he's done an incredible job. I just don't know. We still don't know the fallout of the NCAA punishing him. Um, does he want to put up with this? Does he to get to your get your school to the national title game? Is that enough? And I don't know, you know, with him and his brother, and they met in the Super Bowl, and his brother's got a Super Bowl, and he doesn't have a Super Bowl. I I don't know if that matters. With Jim, you can never ever, you know, truly say, oh, I know, I I, I understand exactly what he's thinking because I don't. But he certainly doesn't want to talk about the NFL, and he doesn't want to talk about cheating. It's like he 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 pushes his players front and center. Now, hey Jim, I want to ask you about you want to talk to this guy, Blake Corum. And I'm like, uh, no, I wanted to talk to you. Yeah, Mark. Is there any threat of the NCAA possibly like vacating this possible national championship? I guess there's the possibility, but that might be two years from now. You know, by the time the NCAA gets around to this, I might be retired. But. I mean, I have brought this up, and it falls on deaf ears. If you cheated this year and you won games this year, then how do those how do the victories count? I, just, I, I never understood that. So you did cheat. Somebody cheated. Maybe he didn't know about it. Somebody did know about it. He got suspended, so there was enough there, and you had a linebacker's coach who got fired. I don't know where Connor Stallions is. I mean... Where's Tom Rinaldi when you need him to go track down Connor Stallions or Jimmy Roberts? Let's get somebody out there and get him. How about a sit-down interview, halftime, national title game? Mm-hmm. Who's with me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Paul. On Christmas Eve, Ian Rappaport reported that Jim Harbaugh had in hand a 10-year, $125 million contract offer from Michigan. Yeah. Now, my question to you is, if that's true, why would he not agree to that before the the game last night would that offer let's put it this way if they had lost to alabama is that offer still in place yes okay so there's no downside to waiting well okay are you using a chargers offer as leverage to get even more money out of your alma mater um or are you using michigan's offer to get a better deal in the nfl that would be where i would lean towards but call me skeptical but i would say 
Because, Jim, you can put this to bed and just say, no, I'm staying here. I'm I'm guessing Ohio State's going to recruit against Harbaugh and say, look, he ain't staying. Did you see where Dion says that he wants less publicity at Colorado this season? Um, He said that, you know, he probably made a mistake that, you know, he, he allowed all this publicity. We got a lot of publicity when he was doing well. You never want the publicity when you're not doing well. Uh, it kind of cooled off in November. Yes, Tom. His sweatshirt every week was ain't hard to find. Like, come talk to me. Come hang out with me. Look what I got on my sweatshirt here. All right. Best and worst of the weekend. What you uh, saw that you liked, you didn't like. We'll get to phone calls. But I'm going to go to you, Todd, to start off this final hour. Best of the weekend. Caitlin Clark broke the Big Ten conference record for most career assists by a women's basketball player on Saturday. 35 points, 10 assists, 5 boards, 94-71 win over Minnesota, and she moved into the top five in career scoring, trailing only Brittany Griner, Jackie Stiles, Kelsey Mitchell, and Kelsey Plum. Worst, Raptors for losing to a Pistons team in Detroit, Sally, which had just lost an NBA record 28 games in a row. Your final, 129-127 Pistons. You uh, need to look at the assist if you haven't seen it from Caitlin Clark when she broke the record. Spectacular. Spectacular. And, and, you know, she's known for her scoring, but, you know, she's also one of the top assist players, you know, in the history of the sport. All right, Seton O'Connor, best and worst. My best of the weekend was Nick Saban. He had one very small moment that I thought was absolutely fantastic. It's something that, like, every youth athletic coach should watch. Okay. Uh, Alabama center uh, Seth McLaughlin had a couple of bad plays in a row, right? He had a couple of bad snaps. It was like the, he completely dismantled the drive that they were on. It was like, dang, this dude really needs to get it together, right? Yeah. And instead of when they, they went to the sideline, instead of Nick Saban screaming at him, like you could see a bunch of red-faced football coaches, and you know that they're going to scream at this guy, and do you know whatever. Instead, he was super calm, and he was just kind of like, hey, buddy, come on, let's go. Come on, get it together. I need you. You know what I mean? And he was just very calm. He was very measured. I don't know exactly what he just said, but you could see him clapping his hands saying, come on. He didn't tell him that he sucks. He didn't tell him that, he, do you know how important this game is? He didn't say any of that crap. He was like, hey, buddy, look, you're good enough. You could do this. We need you. You're important. It was a great moment in coaching. Um, my worst of the weekend, Florida State players reacting to Alabama losing. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Easy. See? They didn't deserve it. They did easy. No, they beat Georgia to get there. Yes, Alabama deserved to be in there. Easy, you know. If you want to say Texas didn't deserve, to, you know, I don't know what their argument is, but Texas beat Alabama. But yeah, when Florida State and a lot of former players were like, "Oh yeah, okay, how about that?" Did they deserve to be in there? Well, they could have won the game. They were on the three yard line. Yeah, they they could have won that game. Uh, Marvin, best and worst of the weekend. Best of the weekend, Jimmy Johnson finally getting to the Cowboys ring of honor after a million years of being snubbed by Mr. Jones. And then uh, the other best, CeeDee Lamb. 13 receptions, 227 yards, one touchdown, kind of overshadowed by the ref's blunder at the end of the game. Man, he was awesome. Seaton loves him. Now I love him. He's one He had of my a great favorites. year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's a talent. I, I think when he first got there, I thought he's going to have one of those, in, you know, incredible rookie seasons. But he wasn't consistent. And I don't know if it was play calling. I don't know if it was Dak. Maybe it was him. Maybe it was a combination of all that. But I thought, man, this guy's he looks like a star. Uh, but it's easy to get overshadowed in that organization, which 
Jerry has done a really good job of overshadowing or trying to overshadow. And then, you know, I felt bad for Jimmy Johnson. I mean, it was awkwardly entertaining because he should have been in there a long time ago. And it really came down to who was going to get the credit here. And, you know, Jerry famously said anybody could, you know, coach this team to a Super Bowl. And he proved that by having Barry Switzer coach that team to a Super Bowl. But it was Jimmy Johnson. And Jimmy Johnson is a really bright football guy. Not just X's and O's, but, you know, a lot of the moves that were made there, you know. And Jerry got, you know, insecure about it. And didn't like that Jimmy was, you know, like, hey, you know, couldn't have done it without Jimmy. Well, uh, I'm going to show you. I'm going to get rid of Jimmy. And just egos. Like, you get to that level, and you think two grown-ups should be able to figure this out. How can we coexist? It always gets worse. And then it's just so fragmented. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jerry wants to have a big presentation. that Now we're going to have, you know, Jimmy in the ring of honor. Like, there was part of me that would, if I'm Jimmy Johnson, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. Put me in posthumously, Jerry. I'm okay. But that's petty. But, you know, I would be competitive with that and be like, no, no, you did this, you know, you strung this out, you didn't need to, and, you know, now you're making it, it's a carrot that you're dangling. I would have said, you know, Jerry, take your ring, and you know what you can do with it. Yeah, more. The Cowboys, like Jerry and Jimmy, they feel very much like Shaq and Kobe, where people are like, man, they won three Super Bowls, or they won however many Super Bowls they won, where it's... What could they have done yeah. if they could have put their egos to the side and just said, hey, let's just go out there and just keep kicking, you know what? Well, they ended up winning titles elsewhere. Well, Kobe's still with other players, but I do think it, it's weird. It's weird how the ego gets involved. And and I said that, you know, that we would remember them, you know, Shaq and Kobe for what they could have done, not what they did, because that should have been a, a, a six-peter. Like, they should have done six in a row. Like, you know, there was no reason that they, they shouldn't have been able to do it, but then you get egos. You know, Shaq doesn't want Kobe to say it's his team and it's still, you know, Shaq's team. And and just having sort of the read the room of it can still, like when Dwayne Wade welcomed LeBron James, he let LeBron think it was his team. And it worked out for Dwayne Wade. I th- always thought that it was still Dwayne Wade's team, but I, he was smart enough to say to LeBron, hey, your team, man, and win a couple of titles there. All right, Paulie, best and worst of the weekend? Uh, I got a few, Dan. Best of the weekend, USC uh, sophomore quarterback Miller Moss out of nowhere. I don't think anyone knew who this guy was nationally. 372 and six touchdowns filling in for Caleb Williams in the Holiday Bowl over Louisville. Uh, another best of the weekend, kind of the XFL and USFL have announced a merger. They're going to be the UFL, which is a little wonky, but at least it's uh, clean. Mm. There are some teams that didn't survive. They got rid of, uh, Dan, the New Jersey Generals, the New Orleans Breakers. I love those uniforms. Mm-hmm. The Philadelphia Stars and Pittsburgh Maulers will not be joining the uh, UFL. XFL. And mm. then I would say the worst of the weekend, David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers. This is obvious, but you're a child, man. You're an absolute child in your embarrassment. It, you, you, know, you could have a bad team, and you could have a quarterback that's working his way out. Just be a grown man and be classy a little bit once in a while. And don't throw something on a fan. If you can't handle a little fan heckling, don't sit there with an open-air window. Yeah. And, and don't apologize, because he hasn't apologized yet. 
And don't do the apology eight days later because the NFL is going to fine you and you're going to mitigate your fine. Stay with it. Don't apologize. Yeah. You know, stick with what you did. You're a child. Yeah. You know, but you wonder what he does in other walks of life with business. Like, without cameras on him, what is he like? That's what I'd be curious about. All right, uh, let me see. So, do we have a poll question for the final hour, Steve? He's famously a very measured and thoughtful person. Oh, uh, is he? Yeah. <laughs> very out of character for this Mr. Tepper. This is very unlike him. Mr. Yeah. Tepper. Yeah. You know, uh, I was going to throw in there for a poll question. <laughs> Should NFL officials be required to speak publicly after the game? Yes. Yes, yes. Or, or yes. hell yes. yes. <laughs> well, what happens is they have a poll reporter, and then that reporter gets to go in there and ask questions. And then he gives his information to all the other reporters. But that, you know, it's still baffling how, you know, the communication was not there. And it, and it felt like they were doing, the Lions were doing what they were supposed to do. But they did, you know, Dan Campbell said, look, you know, we got a little cute there that they were having a couple of linemen there. So the Cowboys didn't know exactly who was the eligible receiver. At least that's according to Dan Campbell. This is what it sounded like when uh, Campbell was talking about the two-point conversion. What was the explanation you got on the two-point? Suddenly reported. Did that occur report as well? Yeah, the explanation was suddenly reported. Yes. Two people can't report. I don't want to talk about it. Right? I explain everything pre-game to a T. Okay? I did that. 70 reported, 58 didn't, or 68 didn't. We threw it to 68. That was the explanation. Yeah, Paul. So when he says there, Dan Campbell, I explained everything before the game, I was confused, and I'd never heard this before. And then it was explained by the analysts afterwards on NFL Network. The head coach meets maybe 90 minutes before the game with the officials briefly and says, here are a few trick plays we may do just to have a heads up so it, hmm. you're not blindsided. I had no idea that the coaches met with the officials before the game to go over uh, possible scenarios like that. All right, we'll take a break. We'll talk to the man who has the answers, Dean Blandino, former head of NFL officials, now the rules analyst at Fox. And we'll talk to him right after this Dan Patrick Show. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This league uncut. The new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes. And me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Spent a little time. We were off when this happened with the Cowboys and the Lions, but we touched on it briefly. Uh, Dean Blandino, Fox NFL rules analyst, former NFL VP of officiating. He was in studio when uh, the Cowboys-Lions controversy took place at the end of the game with that two-point conversion. Dean joins us now. What did you see in the moment with that play, Dean? So in the moment, what I saw was... It was unusual to say the least, because typically when a lineman reports, it's just that lineman, they swipe the front of their jersey, they go to the referee. But actually there were there were two linemen, Panay Sewell and, and Taylor Decker, that went to referee Brad Allen, and then a third lineman that was running onto the field, Dan Skipper, um, toward Allen. And then and then obviously Brad announces 70 is reporting is eligible. And and, I, and that that you know, that whole the whole play really predicates on 68 being eligible because he's going to play the end of the line and he's the one that's going to go out and catch the pass. So it was unusual to see two and a third offensive lineman kind of going toward the referee to almost make it look like they were, you know, one or or two or all three were reporting. But obviously there was there was some kind of miscommunication that took place because the Lions certainly wanted 68 to be the eligible player. Did the Lions do anything wrong? 
No, I, the Lions did not do anything wrong. They, they, and I have no doubt in my mind, obviously not knowing what was said, but I have no doubt in my mind that 68 said that he was reporting to the referee. You don't, you can't run that play without 68, and that's practice. This is something, this is a two-point try with so much riding, that game, playoff implications. So there's no doubt in my mind that 68 is reporting. I do think the way they presented it um, created a little bit of confusion for Brad Allen. I think he went too fast. I think there's some accountability on on the official side as well. 70 had reported earlier during the game. He sees 70 coming in. He assumes it's 70 and uh, and goes too fast. So I think there's there's I don't think the Lions did anything wrong by rule. I just think the environment created a situation where where quite frankly Brett Allen assumed something that wasn't true. Okay, but they gather up after that. Can you you know I mean why can't you just correct that or why doesn't can the home office help them correct that? The Lions were saying Jared Goff was saying Dan Campbell was saying, "Hey, he reported. He was the tackle eligible here." Why couldn't they just say, "You know what? We made a mistake." You know, at that point, I don't think they thought they made a mistake. I think Brad Allen thought that 70 was reporting. So, and they still, in the pool report, they had 70 reporting. So I don't think the, the league or the officiating crew thought that they made a mistake. Um, you know, they, he did make the announcement. I don't think he came over the broadcast, but I have seen some videos on social media where the announcement was made in the stadium. Um, a lot of times those announcements are hard to hear when you're at field level. And, and I just think that that miscommunication combination of going too fast, what what the Lions presented. And again, I think you can't there's certainly accountability. I'm not I'm not absolving the officiating crew in this situation. I think Brad just went into kind of auto drive mode and assumed 70 was reported. Okay, and help me understand when the coaches get together with the officials prior to the start of the game, what is discussed? And do you think that that was discussed by Dan Campbell to the officials? Yeah, I'm sure it was discussed. So 90 minutes before the game, two officials go to the home coach, two officials go to the away coach. They visit in the locker room. They go through any questions the coach may have, um, any special plays, any gadget plays. And and from my understanding, Dan did explain to the officials that 70 would report during the game. Um, we do have a, a tackle-eligible play that we may run. I don't know to what detail or what extent it was explained to the crew pregame, but that's normal protocol. That happens every game when you have something because you don't want the officials to be caught off guard in a situation like that and maybe throw a flag where it, it, it isn't a foul. And I think that's why those, those meetings happen. And I know that a conversation took place between the officials and Coach Campbell before the game. It just looked, it felt like the officials were blaming the Lions. Like they, they created, they were trying to be too cute, you know. That, it just felt that way in the post-game interview. It, it, it did, and, and I've explained it that way, too. Look, I think the Lions were trying to disguise who was eligible, but there's nothing illegal about that. There, there's no, there's no um, you know, foul there. And I do, again, I can't imagine them having this play in, in this situation, and 68 is not going to tell the referee, I'm eligible. And again, I, I do think it's just the official went too fast, um, and, you know, here we are talking about it. Talking to Dean Blandino, Fox NFL Rules Analyst. Looking back on this season, what stands out good and bad with the referees? 
Well, I think there's been some high-profile misses. I think you look at this crew, the Brad Allen crew, they've had a tough year, quite frankly. You go back to the Packers-Chiefs game, they've had some situations. I do think the the league is is using technology more, and I think that's a good thing, keep the game moving, correct obvious mistakes, but the scrutiny just continues to increase. And I think we're, I honestly think we're at a tipping point. I think we're at a tipping point with officiating and where do we want to go from here? Do we, do we need to implement more replay, more technology? Um, you know, my personal feelings is we got to get back to the basics, the core. What is, you know, we're missing pass interference. We're not missing it because of technology. We're missing it either we're out of position. We're not getting good direction. We're not being consistent. So I do think we're at a tipping point. And, uh, and I think the, the, you know, ownership and, and as we get into the competition committee process in the off season, I think officiating is going to be a big topic on the agenda. Okay. But what would be your advice or recommendations of now what should the NFL do? You said we're at a tipping point. Okay. I'm going to make you the commissioner. What do you do? So for me, I think we've got to take a good look at the officiating department structure. We need to, for, for very long, it's been officiating is, and for lack of a better term, a necessary evil, right? It's the officials are important. They're critical to the outcome of the game. But, but whenever we're talking about it, it's usually negative, but it's such an integral part of, of, of what happens on the field on, on game day. So I think you got to look at the department, look at the structure. Do we have the right people in place? Are we giving good direction? The competition committee process, that process, is there is there conversation during the season? Are the competition committee members, and it's hard because you've got head coaches, Mike Tomlin, Mike Vrabel, they're trying to win football games. They're not, they don't have time to jump on conference calls and do these other things. But can we create a structure where you can have conference calls throughout the season, maybe it's once a month, whatever it is, to kind of see where we are with officiating. What are the issues? How can we correct it before the season ends and not just – because once the season ends, if we get through the playoffs without any controversy, everybody will kind of tend to forget. We'll get into February and March, and uh, and nothing will get done. I do think the league needs to take a good, hard look at officiating the structure and how we're training these officials. Yeah, and, and you bring up a great point. Imagine if this happened in the postseason. That's when we have change. When it, yeah. you know, it's really impactful. Um, and imagine if it happened against the Cowboys, like it went against the Cowboys and Jerry Jones all of a sudden went on a crusade, things would change. No doubt. I mean, we saw the 2018 NFC Championship game with the missed call and pass difference. We changed the rule, and it didn't It didn't work. It lasted one year. So the playoffs are going to be, I really, and it's unfortunate, but I think the playoffs are the, that's the, the key point. If the playoffs go well and there's no controversy, people will forget about the regular season, and they'll say everything's great. If we have a bunch of these types of plays in the playoffs, then I think it, it it's all heightened. And then you're right. And especially if it happens, certain teams, yeah. more high profile, um, I think then that, that, that drives change. When the official goes under the hood, how many voices does he hear? How, how many people are talking to the official? It, 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 it is – personally, there's too many voices right now. You have a replay official. You have several people in New York at the, at the league office – and there's probably four or five people talking to each other. And, and I think that's too many people. Um, I think it's become more of a committee decision. Um, you know, when I was there, it was, it was myself and the referee communicating through the play. And we were trying to just get to a consensus. Anytime you add more people to the mix, it's going to get harder to get to a consensus. It's going to take longer. You're going to be less efficient. 
So there, there's probably four or five people right now that are communicating during those reviews, and I, I think they're taking too long. Great to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. As long, you know, one of these days, we'll, well, there'd be no reason to have you on if everything's good, Dean. <laughs> no, no, only, only when things go, go bad. So. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, as always. Thanks for having me. Dean Blandino, Fox NFL Rules Analyst. You know, when Fritzy reaches out, it's like, uh, you know, hey, Dean, Dan wants to talk to you. Oh, great. Yeah, Paulie. Like, imagine the refs have a nice, clean weekend. And <laughs> hey, week let's eight. have Dean Blandino yeah. on. Hey, great calls. Yeah. He'll be part of the uh, Fox broadcast Steelers, Seahawks, Saints, Buccaneers. That'll be uh, coming up this weekend. You get to watch football, and you basically just monitor those games. Kind of nice. Nice gig. All right. I'm looking at the scenarios here. So, the Bills, they could win the AFC East and be a number two seed. Or they could lose to Miami and miss the playoffs if the Jags and Steelers win. Pittsburgh's at Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's probably not going to play. NFC South. Buccaneers and Saints are 8-8. Eight and eight. Tampa has the tiebreaker. And then they play the Panthers on Sunday. Kansas City and Philly, they're combined 2-8 and eight in December. Um, I mean, you, there's still some crazy scenarios here. Imagine Buff, nobody wants to face Buffalo, but they may not even make the playoffs because it's conceivable that Pittsburgh could win in Baltimore, you know, that rivalry. And then you got the Jags. Yeah, Pauling. Do I think the Colts kind of control, I hate saying it, their own destiny. Could they, if they win, are they in? I think. I. I I think Colts Texans is almost like a play-in game. So, Jacksonville, Indy, Houston are nine and seven. The Jags, if they win, they're in at Tennessee. The Jags lose, then the winner of the Texans Colts game Saturday night would make the playoffs as the division champs. <laughs> you got it. Got it. I you think. Got, I got it. it. Got it. Yeah. So, a little a uh, little drama left to uh, be played out. But if you're the Ravens, do you want? Like, you don't want the Steelers to win that game. Like, you hate the Steelers. That's the, that's the biggest rivalry in the NFL right now. But the Ravens are not. I can't imagine where they're going to go, yeah, it's okay. Let the, let the Steelers win this game. Don't see that happening. Craig in New Jersey. Craig, thanks for holding. Best and worst of the weekend. Hey, baby. Uh, first off, shout out to my brother for buying me a crap steak. Uh, coffee mug, definitely one of my favorite gifts. Uh, best and best er of the weekend. Devin McCourty is absolutely right. Rutgers football is back, baby. <laughs> and best er, the best er. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Winter Classic yesterday, but when the Seattle Kraken were being introduced, the game being taken place in Seattle, of course, they leaned heavy into the Pike Place uh, Fish Marketplace. They were walking out of the dugout, and they had these prop guys, these actors, throwing fish across the walkway while they were being introduced. That was equal parts cool and just totally ridiculous. I was a huge fan of it. Thank you. All right, Craig. Yeah, I've been there. I've been to the market. I didn't buy anything. I just went in there. I was staying downtown. I was like, all right, let me go see it. You know, I'm a tourist. Do those goofy things. Yeah, Paul. NFL broadcasts always show the most cliche thing from every town. You know, Chicago, they show the big pizza. In Seattle, they show the throwing fish. I don't know if you saw the game last night, but Ooh. the game was in New Orleans, marvelous. 
Oh and, yeah. Oh yeah. We seen it. They yeah, did a live, a live shot of Bourbon Street, and there was a, a a woman there who wanted some beads, and she did what you do, and it got caught during a live shot. Okay, fair enough. And no one's at fault yeah. for that. That's just one of those. You're just trying to get a cliche shot of Bourbon Street, and oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, it was a college football doubleheader. So, yep. uh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, yes, yes, Tom. Or you can bank those shots, get it on tape, and then edit out something that might be inappropriate. Well, thank you. Welcome. That would leave us nothing to talk about. We, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. I'm guessing that shot probably was banked. Nobody just caught it. Oh. It, it, it was tough to tell. It, it was like a walk, a walking through. A, we're going to break. We'll see you after halftime. And they're walking through the French Quarter. Mm. And it was a quick uh, whip out, if you know what I mean. Yes, Marvin. Seaton's right. Those are definitely banked because the cameramen, they go out before the game because those same cameramen are doing the game. And so. Well, wait a minute. The time, it was in the evening. They may have done it the night before. Because of sundown, sunup thing, they sometimes do stuff, stuff live. So it looks live. Okay. As opposed to if they taped it before the game, it could be light in New Orleans and it would look odd. To me, that looked like a live, live throw to break where they're running through a cameraman through New Orleans. Feels like it'd be a lot of work to yeah. get that one live shot. <laughs> Usually done the night before. Go ahead. Is that what it is, Mark? <laughs> you know about these things. Yeah, they go to New York City when they, the Jersey the Jersey Giants and the Jersey Jets are playing. Yeah. And they go, all right, let's you know get a... Get some beauty shots. Beauty shots of, uh, of Times Square. All right. You guys playing East Rutherford. Uh, last call. For phone calls, what we learn, what's in store tomorrow, and we'll try to accomplish that right after this. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I just had a run-in with a hot dog. I paid the price. <laughs> I had mustard all over my face, my glasses. Kind of exploded on me here. The hot dog did? Yeah. Yeah, I took a bite, and all of a sudden, somehow, Polly goes... Ten years ago, I wouldn't have told you you got mustard all over your face, but I, uh, I'm going to tell you, so I think I got it off my glasses and my face. Yes, Paul? That's, if I was going to recap it, you went in for the bite, you turned your head, but the backside of the hot dog just grazed your right cheek, mm. left a big yeah. mustard stain. Mm. Man, hot dogs sometimes taste really good. Yes, Todd? <laughs> that must have been awkward for you, but I'm glad you wiped it off. Thank you, Todd. I'm glad you could catch up to the rest of us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Topper. Thank you. Condiment. All right. Uh, let me see. Uh, Bruce in Kentucky. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Dan. Hi, Bruce. First time, long time, six foot two, 185. All right. Dan, I spent the first hour and a half of the show staring at your hoodie. Okay. And it finally dawned on me. That's a Cincinnati Royals hoodie. Yes, it is. Where, Fritz, where got do it. you get it? Fritzy uh, ordered this for me. And uh, Cincinnati Royals, my basketball team when I was growing up. Chris, uh, Christmas present from Fritzy. Uh, where did you get it, Todd? I don't recall the store, but I did a search because I know that you're a big Cincinnati Royals guy in the tiny Archibald days yeah. and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just it came up on one of these sites, and uh, I hadn't gotten anything from them before, so I was taking a chance from wherever it was in Indonesia or something. And I'm like, you know what? Indonesia? Yeah, I'm I think it was Tea Public. Oh, okay. And, uh, and I had ordered something from them before, and it got there in a relatively comfortable period of time, and I thought you'd like it. All right. Thank you, John. Well, uh, this day in sports history, Paul. <laughs> I never know how to follow him. Um, let's see. Broadway Joe Namath in 1965 signed the richest rookie contract in the history of pro football, $400,000. In 72, Elvis Presley gave Muhammad Ali a $10,000 robe before his fight against Ken Norton. Mm -hmm. And in 2003, it was announced that Bill Parcells would be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I also have this day in music history. If you like okay, it, sure. This day in music history, Dan, long time ago, 1982, physical by Olivia Newton-John oh, was no. the number one song on the Billboard charts, and it stayed there for like a month and a half. Mm. And it inspired this years later. Coming up with questions that I know you like. It makes good sports radio conversation. You gotta answer it just right. You know what I mean. Don't Google it, just try.
try to think it out. Challenge yourself mentally. Make sure you know what you're talking about or get embarrassed on radio and TV. And you did. Let's get quizzical. No, quizzical. Yeah. I want to get quizzical. Yeah. Let's get into the That's good stuff. You can carry a tune, dude. You can carry. I was right on that. Yep, you were. Right on that beat. <laughs> you were right on that. Um, let's see. What else? Challenge yourself, men. <laughs> <laughs> the best. <laughs> the best. You know what I mean? I'm sure you'll understand if we poke fun at you. Don't get upset. It's all in fun. You see, work it out. The denims and ads brings out the animal in you and me. Todd, the animal in you and me. A lot of syllables for a short window. Let's get into quizzical. Let me hear your answer now. Your answer now. You couldn't be more offbeat. Like, you couldn't be, if you tried. It's just so horrible in so many ways. In the moment in time, I was like, I thought I no, had something but there. but I even, I said it to you. I said, do you think that's good? And you go, yeah. Really like, was meant to be a tribute. And to I said, no, no, that's horrible, Todd. I want someone turning over in their graves because of something you did on... I don't think they actually turn over in their graves. They don't? No. No, I don't think so. It's, it's physically, impo- physically impossible. Yeah, no. Well, let's get physical. Let's get physically impossible. Let's get physical. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's something. Man. That's something. That is the gift that keeps on giving mm, right there. Mm, Jelly of the Month Club. Yeah. Uh, let me see... Uh, First NFL title game televised in color was on this day. 1966, the Packers beat the Browns. And that is the last NFL championship game played before the Super Bowl era. The Packers, then they won back-to-back Super Bowls, the first two. But they won the uh, NFL title game, beating the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Kurt in Iowa. Hi, Kurt. Hey, how you doing, Dan? Great, Kurt. Hey, I've uh, got a quick question for you. Okay. Which would you rather be, Oregon or Alabama today? Or, you know, win, win your playoff game or lose in the first round of the playoffs? I would rather be, let's see, I'd rather be Alabama. I mean, you got there for the final four. Uh, Oregon's game was, you know, kind of a consolation game. It was like a scrimmage of sorts. I don't know. I mean, I watched some of it. And look, I love that Bo Nix played. I do. I mean, it's not for everybody, but, you know, he said, look, I, I don't know what he said, but basically that, you know, he got this far together uh, and, you know, he got a chance to showcase whatever he needed to showcase. But, you know, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Yes, Todd? If you're Iowa, would you rather not be in a bowl game at all or score zero in the bowl game that you were invited to? Sorry, Kurt. I uh, why did you bring this up two hours I ago? Have. I just thought it was Kurt and Iowa. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to ask this Iowa. I question. I, I think um, I would rather have not made the bowl game or a bowl game on New Year's Day. Yeah, Paul. It's hard to tell if Iowa had a good season football wise. It, it they what ten eleven? Well, wins? they played for the Big Ten title, right? But perception wise of Iowa football, specifically their offense, their defense is off the charts. But they well, it wasn't yesterday. No, yeah, but like. Was it a successful season, perception-wise? Well, perception-wise, I'd say no. But I would say I would probably looked at that and said, look, we had double-digit wins, and we played for the Big Ten title. I like how they were showcasing their punter. 
that he, I guess, has had more punting yards than anybody. Oh, he's the Ricky Williams of punting, <laughs> like his yardage. <laughs> like, hey, you know, come on out and see our punter. You know, they probably cheer when they go three and out because you get to see the punter. Todd, what'd you learn today? Devin McCourty recently found out the only reason he got an offer to Rutgers was because they wanted his twin brother Jason, but his mom said, sorry, they're a package deal, both or neither. That's a good story, cute story. Seton O'Connor, what'd you learn today? Well, I was just looking up, is there an award for punters, a la like the... Uh, the Ray Guy Award. It is the Ray Guy Award, yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, it is, and guess who won it? The Iowa punter? Tory Taylor of Yay, Iowa. Tory Taylor. <laughs> That's what I just learned. Marvin, what did you learn today? Brian France, he wasn't the problem at Iowa. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Paulie, what you learned today? We only call Dean Blandino when something bad happens. <laughs> Paulie. Dean Blandino. There you go. What did I learn, Todd? Rick Neuheisel likes Washington over Michigan because they're the more explosive team with Michael Penix Jr. Hottest rookies, biggest superstars, the all-time grades, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. It's Panini. Start or continue your collection now at PaniniAmerica.net. Thanks for the phone calls, emails, tweets, the all-around support. Again, great to be on Hartford, New Haven, Pittsburgh, and Sheridan, Wyoming. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.